La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding, ding, dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. Hello Rugby friends and welcome to a new edition of the French Rugby Connection podcast with moi, Véronique Landieu, your host, and my co-host all the way from Toulouse, Monsieur... Monsieur Tom Dixon, sitting oui. in my office in Toulouse. Bonsoir, everyone. Bonsoir. Quelle chance. And uh, is autumn there as well? Is winter coming oh. in Toulouse? Veronique, I did have a barbecue at lunchtime today, but now I have put on my hoodie, so it's <laughs> cold, that means. <laughs> okay, well, in in leafy Surrey here, it, it was raining cats and dogs earlier. In fr- <laughs> and in French, how do you say cats and dogs? It's raining cats and dogs. You can be rude and talk about cows emptying their bladder. Not quite. <laughs> which I wouldn't do on a family show, but, but I don't know, Veronique, it never rains here. What do you oh. say? You say il pleut des cordes. Il pleut des cordes. I think I think the cow urinating has priority <laughs> amongst my friends. Oh well, okay. Maybe you say that in Toulouse, but not not where I come from in Brittany, you know. So <laughs> anyhow. So finally, finally the international has sorted with full fanfare, les bleus. Wasn't so happy exciting. for them. It was an ugly win, but this is the eleven's consecutive wins from Les Bleus. How fantastic. The first time since. Uh-huh. I know that that's that because I, I can uh, ask you. You do I, know I, as well. Yeah, we may disagree, but on my piece of paper, it says this is a record since 1937. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I was and actually it was one of my quiz. I wanted to ask you that question. When was the last <laughs> time that the Les Bleus won 11 consecutive games? And I had three Choices for you, 1977, 1967, and 1977. And I thought maybe the 70s, you know, you would have fell for it because of the era of Les Bleus in that era. But hey, okay, you must do the same research as I do. Yes, it must be said. I do have a So France are almost on their way there. Do you remember what happened a year ago? Start of France a year ago. Uh, no, you'll have to tell me. Okay, France won against the All Black, and not not by a, a small margin, but they won 40 to 25. It was absolutely phenomenal. It was a great, great success, you know, for France, psychologically to beat the All Black. So. Yeah, so one year later, later, here they were. Seven months after winning Le Grand Chelem from the Six Nations and after also a successful tour in, in Japan. But I have to say they were a bit rusty. I would say so as well. When you say it's a year ago that they really beat the All Blacks, they were playing beautifully and it wasn't ugly winning against the All Blacks, but it was ugly winning against Australie, don't you think? Yes, it could be the reason you know they haven't played together with since since March. Well, so could be the reason why, and they had a few injured players such as William C. Cross. But the usual suspect were there. But I have to say, yeah, I saw them being a bit rusty, uh, not as fast as usual. They may have 
I've put on weight on a little bit, some of them. I mean, I think you probably hit the nail on the head, as far as I'm concerned, is that, of course, they did go on a summer tour to Japan, I think, but hardly any of the top players went. Certainly, uh, Dupont and Tamak didn't tour, so it was it was a bit the B team going off for the summer tour. So you're right, they're a lot less prepared this particular November than they were last November. Yes, but but anyway, well done to Australia because they gave them a hard time. You know, we thought maybe that France would have easy, easy win, but it wasn't. I have to say to I have to raise my beret to two men, two wonderful young players. The first one was uh, Mathieu Jalibert, one of my favorites, as you know, and of course Damien Penaud Junior, you know, son of uh, of uh, the famous, you know, Peno, uh, rugby player. It was a thing of beauty. Do you want to narrate it? Because I, I'm, I'm lost for words. Uh, well, don't overlook Australia's uh, end-to-end try earlier on. That was quite spectacular. But no, uh, this was lovely. It was more the event with, yeah, yeah, the last seconds of the match, France losing at home, everyone singing "Allez les Bleus." And France managed to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat like only they do. And indeed, the trainers were saying that actually they do half plan for this. France always finishes strongly and that they can almost take it for granted in direct contradiction to another game of the weekend. But it was lovely. It was a tough fight. Jalibert got the ball. He had shouted to Penno to get into position already. They knew it was on. It looked impossible to the casual audience. And Jalibert floated the ball over a couple of defenders to, onto the right wing, where Penno took the ball. He did the most amazing sidestep, reminiscent of Cheslin Colby against Aaron Farrell in the Rugby World Cup final. And Penno, wonderful sidestep, showed great strength in fending off the last defender. And he 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 spotted it down in the corner, and the match was won. And it was so exciting. I'm sure all of France were standing in front of their sofas or in their pubs, and a few lucky people in the stadium. It, it's, it's magic. One of those moments. Yes, it was magic rugby, rugby at its best. You know, it definitely put a smile on my sad face on a Saturday evening because I could see the game, the game being being lost. But one thing I have noticed was very much, you know, the great atmosphere in Stade de France. They were doing some Mexican wave. They they were encouraging the the stadium came came a light, which I really really like. You know, in in comparison to the. The death, deadly atmosphere the day after between England against Argentina in Twickenham. It was like a morgue. I absolutely agree. And there's been quite a lot of commentary on how bad the atmosphere was in Twickenham. And to, sometimes it almost sounds as if the players and the staff are blaming the fans when it should be the players illuminating the match, urging the fans to make the noise, which comes first. But also... Aha. Also, the game was awful. The weather, the method of playing in Twickenham, it was just a horrible start to the evening and got steadily worse. There were a few moments once the pitch had drained, but it was always going to be a boring, kicking start to the match. Mm-hmm. And that always sends everyone to sleep. But no, the Stade de France really looked alive. I 
haven't been there for a few years and I said I, I wouldn't go back because <laughs> there's a running track between the ground and the seats. So you're so far away, you need binoculars to see, let alone. Oh, depends what kind of seat you have. <laughs> I'm sure you're category <laughs> one all the time. And, and the other thing, of course, at the Stade de France, inside the Stade, you can pay £10 for a pint of beer, but it's alcohol-free beer. Now, listen, this doesn't stop people getting drunk. The psychosomatics of it are intriguing, but some visiting fans don't realise the beer is without alcohol, especially at that price, and they carry on getting louder and louder and more raucous. But, <laughs> um, but interesting time had by all. But no, that, that France-Australia was... Absolutely wonderful yeah. advert for rugby. Yeah. The ending was brilliant. But Veronique, can, can I can I be a bit counter counterintuitive? So, yes, um, go on. France won a match by one point. It could have been yes. a point class at the end. Yes, the but day, the... England lost a match by one point. Yes, exactly the same score, twenty nine thirty. And in Ireland, the world champions lost by a last minute penalty by three points. Yes. And in the ladies' semi final earlier on during the day, New Zealand beat France 25 by one. Yeah. My point is that these games are so close that you yes. really, you're in danger of reading too much into them. Okay. Yeah. France, Africa du Sud is next week. Yes. Uh, really, you can't say that either side has an advantage or a disadvantage based on their mm -hmm. match this weekend. It was yeah. their first match after a long time apart. And it, neither is it an indication of who's going to win the World Cup because that's over a year away. No, it's just under a year away. So, so enjoy it and have yes. fun reviewing, so, watching and anticipating, but it's not the be-all and end-all. No, but one thing I wasn't aware, do serve alcohol-free beer. So I, I wasn't aware of this. And yeah, it must come as a shock, you know, for some English supporters. But having said that, the annoying thing with people who drink a lot of beers that they tend to leave their seats on a regular basis and, and so on, disturb, disturb the mood. Whereas, actually, I'm going to tell you a funny story. Once I went to see a game and I think I managed to get a, a free corporate place with some other, some of my connections. And behind me, you had, you had Owen Farrell's father and his name is Andy Farrell. Andy Farrell, yeah, he was there with two of his friends. And you know what they were doing just behind us? They brought that flask with them. So they were drinking some gin rhubarb and they offered to some of my friends. But I said, no, because I'm a, I'm a good girl. But you see, so some people do bring their flask. But I have to say yeah, that... That was uh, pre-pandemic. We have learned now we can't share a flask. And <laughs> in Toulouse, we used to call it the chauffage central. The central heating, you had a flask full of armagnac, obviously, from, from <laughs> oh, the really? church. And uh, you used to pass it around those around you. Those around you, and if you are nice, it would be Armagnac from your birth year. And it's lovely, but now since the pandemic, firstly, you can no longer get into a ground with liquid in a container. Mm -hmm. Some people do use medical drip bladders that they can hide inside their coat. And yes, that, but that's a bit desperate. But you certainly can't share it around with people taking a swig from the same neck of a hip flask because yes. that's anti-pandemic. Aha. So oh, that, well. ship has, that ship has sailed, but I'm glad that Andy Farrell was doing that with homemade rhubarb gin, he said. That's I wouldn't say, I'm not sure whether it was homemade, but it was quite a while ago. It was, we're talking about five, six years ago. <laughs> Saracens were playing. Again, I forgot which team, but yeah. Anyway, no. so anyway, just like you, I really hope that France is going to have a 
a reality check and say, hey, guys, you know, Australia was supposed to be an easy one, a warm up, you know, but now comes the main course, South Africa. And, you know, the box don't take any prisoners. They're tough cookies and they're built like bulls at the box way of playing with the strength up front. It takes a lot to win that game over 80 minutes. So it will be exciting. But then who on earth, even the world champions, can they win in the south of France? It's at Marseille. There's a certain geographic advantage, don't you think? Yes, yeah, 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 I suppose so, but never take anything for, for granted. And so anyway, so there is a press conference, I think, taking place in Stade de Marseille, for which I was invited, but obviously I can't fly all the way to Marseille to, to have the pleasure to ask a few questions to Fabien Gatier. The, the pandemic, I have to say, it was, it was really good because, you know, all the, the press conferences were online, so I could ask a, a few questions there. But anyway, next time I will, I will be asking some questions will be probably during the Six Nations launch face to face the face to face hopefully is going to be in London but yes so finger crossed that France uh, is going to play a bit better will be more agile on the pitch and win another game because 12 consecutive game that would be good because you said to me that the uh, the British no sorry the English won 17 was it under the tenure of uh, Eddie Jones I think it was I think it was his yeah. first year mm-hmm. on the pitch Yes, I'll have to dig yeah. the T-shirt up for next week. <laughs> uh, no, I hope. I, I mean, it's not going to happen again in a hurry. Yeah. So I hope France get there and beat it. Yes. Um, not least the following week. I know we shouldn't look at too far ahead, but I am going to that France-Japan match in Toulouse. I know. I know. And you said that you will be. You will be our our special envoyé. <laughs> I don't know. Special envoy, the man on the ground. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So you can represent the French Rugby Connection podcast. I'll make sure that they, they know you you are there. But so, oh, okay, so I was happy for Saturday evening, you know, because as I said to you, after Saturday of rugby, I was a bit sad because in the morning, unfortunately, unfortunately, Les Bleus didn't make to the final for against against the, les, les Anglais. No, against the New Zealanders. Well, the final would have been against the Anglais. Yes, that's correct, yes. To the All Black S's. And it was a heartbreaking end of the match there because France scored a try and then missed the conversion. Is that right? It is. It is. is, Well, only in the dying second of the game. But I have to say that it was such a, such a, Big, a brilliant game, great advertisement, you know, for for women's rugby. Both teams were really, really exceptional. Yes. But yeah, it, towards the end, you know, it came out to, it was very, very cool ending. Caroline Drouin just, just missed that final kick. And, you know, c'est, c'est la vie, but you know, it was very unfortunate. But in 2011, it was even worse because, but uh, François Trinduc kick, uh, he missed his kick at the 65th minute during the final, and the overall score was eight to seven. So France was very, very close, you know, to get their first, their first win against all odds. <laughs> so yes, it's, it's a cruel game. Right? I, I must say, yes. failing in the last minute of the game, obviously a player has ups and downs, but that must be very difficult to get over. Say, so, so reach, yes. reaching out to Mademoiselle Duran. 
Yes, and Caroline Bruin, as you know, and she's from from Rennes, and you know she's been she's she's a very good player. I think that the a New Zealand coach was saying she was one of the best players. You no know, impeccable kick, but yeah, but, pressure um, towards the end, and you know. She, don't overlook the previous game. Canada did extremely well against England. And for amateurs against professionals, they did brilliantly. That's an amazing result for them. And now, of course, there's the pity final, the bronze final, as we say in English. Yes. Uh, where, where Canada and France will meet. And they have lots in common. Obviously, in some parts of Canada, they speak French. They all like Celine Dion. And um, so there's lots in common, and that could have a little bit more interest in it as a game because of the links between the two countries. So I probably yeah, won't but... get up early to watch Canada France, but I'll yeah. follow it. Yeah, I'm not too sure, but, but anyway, you know, for as I said, we're very sorry. You know, commiseration for Caroline and for and for the rest of, of the ladies, and even Magito said on Twitter, you know, I really feel sorry. I feel for Caroline because it's uh, it's very poignant, very sad way to to lose. But you know what? It's not the game is not over. They're really, really rooting to get that uh, bronze medal, even if it's la petite final. It would be, it would be a achievement for them. Yes. So until uh, yeah, c'est la vie. That's all we can say. But in terms of Canada, yes, yeah, some part of Canada they speak French in Quebec, but it's a very it's kind of a, they use some of the expression from the 18th or 19th century, but it's, <laughs> but French people love the Quebec one, so, but uh, the rest of the country they speak English. But I believe that, uh, yeah, French is still very pre prevalent because Canada was discovered by oh, somebody from Brittany, Monsieur Jacques Cartier, who left to Saint-Malo and discovered, I think it was Terre-Neuve, you know, it was the first one. So hence the reason why there is that French connection. But, but anyway, yeah, I do hope, you know, for France to win that game. So there is no top 14 this weekend, but... But there were some games that took place last weekend. And this week again, I have to raise my beret for guess which team. I think it can, it could actually as a choice, but I would go for Bayonne. Correct, correct. Another win for Bayonne, but uh, you watched that game. So briefly, if you can't mention the strong points of this game. Oh, okay. Well, first of all, when was the last time that Bayonne won at Clermont? Oh my goodness, 20 years ago, or maybe never. You're right, second time. This <laughs> is making history. And it is a lovely, joyful game, really. Camille Lopez, who's behind the Renaissance of Bayonne, many people see him as the leader, even though he wasn't the captain. He came on in the 25th, in the 25th minute. He scored a drop goal against his old team to annoy his old fans. They had been 12 nil down, and they worked their way back. A good solid kicking, keeping the scoreboard ticking over. So, so it was a great game. Tries by Eziela, Jed Raziak, and Rosier, and three tries for Bayonne, Van Jarsveld, Robertson, and Akie. So, a very exciting game. Great result. Fantastic play. Very good. La Rochelle got spanked last last week at Poe and disgraced themselves and lost 
four points they would have been banking at. So they were playing at home last week and lost. This week, they got their revenge. They got their four four points by winning just against a really valiant Breve. You got the bonus defensive. Impressive. I'm really impressed by Breve. I know, but 17-19, it was close, but Breve... Uh, they're, they're well into a downward spiral towards the bottom of the table. They've had such a bad run. They are bottom of the table. They are. 13 points, and they don't deserve to be. I think they ought to be about ninth or 10th, really, given their skills. But the results have been going against them. And you know how uh, how it goes on and on. One bad result begets them. So my heart goes out to breathe. They should do better, and I hope they will do in time. Daniel Brennan. My mate from Toulouse, who has a burger named after him in his father's yes. house. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's been playing well recently, and I, I feel for him very much. So right. um, it's one of those matches where both sides had to win. Because uh, mm-hmm. they're terrible defeat and breathe, he needed. And it, either side could have done. Ogara was back from his suspension, so he could have one of his legendary half-time chats. That did make the difference. Mm-hmm. So La Rochelle make up for their disgrace from last week and breathe, go from bad to worse. Hopefully they will ramp up, you know. I'm, I'm convinced that they will ramp up because you are right, breathe usually sits around the 10 or the 11 places or in the last in the last few years. But then, you, of course, your team Toulouse against Stade Francais. <laughs> well, having talked about these internationals that had one point in it for France, one point against them for England, Toulouse Stade Francais, it was lovely to be there. It's called Le Classico for a reason. They play for a cup. And it really was the most boring game ever. But the, the most exciting part of the first half was when two climate protesters managed to get on the pitch and climb the goal. Yes, I heard about that. Yes, it meant I could go away for a beer. And I really thought we were going to be treated to a half-time score of 3-0, which is equivalent of a no-score draw in any other game. It was quite tedious. Lots of kicking, lots of dropping the ball, lots of knock-ons, lots of throw-ins lost. So, so really, it wasn't the best Saturday of my life. And I think what I was missing with the island All Blacks and what happened in <laughs> Wales, we're not going to mention out of deference to Mike. Toulouse Staff Francais was there. We had a young team, Paul Cost, another son of a Canal Plus uh, consultant, uh, scored his first try. So there was lots of celebration behind us. It was a tough match. It was a fair score. Having a, a draw, who'd have thought it? So if only Toulouse could play the whole of their matches like they do in the last 20 minutes, they'd be head of the table, which, of course, they still are because they drew yes. against their immediate competitor. Yeah. Absolutely. So the other games, I'm going to go briefly. I will only mention the score. So Toulon against Montpellier. Montpellier, well done. They, they want another game after a series of defeats. So the score was 16-26. to 26. Lyon against Castres, 26-20. And then... Big surprise, Pau against Bordeaux Blegle. Pau, who is currently, I think, lagging at the bottom. They're 12th uh, now. Yeah. yeah, they want against Bordeaux Blegle. So I wouldn't have liked to be in the changing room <laughs> being harangued by Christophe Royos. Or he may have been, you know, very passive aggressive. I say, well, you know, guys, it's up to you guys. <laughs> no, that's your you, job. You can work it out. Yeah, uh, yeah, you can either. Banking, wasn't it? It was 33 7. Correct. Yeah, that was a big defeat. Yes. But, you know, some of the big guns, you know, are playing for the international in Marcoursi. So, you know, that's the reason why you were saying last week, you know, there are some 
different type of top 14 when the internationals are away and so on. But I think goes for even for the English Premier League is the same. And then Racing 92 against Parpignan, the score was 44-20. So heading at the top, we still have Toulouse followed by... Stade Francais, La Rochelle and Racing are all on 26 points. Gosh, it's close. It is. On 25 points, we have Lyon and Bayonne. Uh-huh. And so that's the top six that if it was the finals tomorrow, they'd be going in to play their playoffs. Mm-hmm. Then, then if I can carry on, we have Montpellier and Toulon. In yes. Eight. Clermont and Castres. Then number 11, bordeaux Bergler, And number 12, one point behind, is Poe. So they're, they're fighting it out. And then below them, we have Perpignan and Brive. So that uh, rounds up the table after 10 days. We're well into the season and into this new part of the season. And it's very close at the top and very Indeed. surprising at the bottom. So... There's no top 14 this weekend and next weekend. The players are on holidays. But however, not all of them are on holidays. Is that correct, Tom? <laughs> Certainly. Well, th- there is the Les Barbarians Francais, not to be confused with the English Barbarians, Barbara, yes. uh, are putting a match together against Fiji. Yes. And the captain is a Mathieu Bastaro, well known for many things. but uh, Not re- anymore. Not anymore. He's injured. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't know. Oh, poor guy. Because he was interesting because he was going to be one of the first people to have played for French barbarians and English barbarians. But, you know, last week he played in you know, Montpellier, got injured and he's got a partial rupture of his bicep, right oh, bicep. Okay. So, yes, because he's such a character, he won't be playing between four and six weeks. So it's bad, it's bad timing. It's well, very sad. And we wish him, you know, a prompt recovery, Mathieu. Absolutely. At that stage of his career, you don't want long injuries. The other players for the Barbarians, I only noted down the Toulousain because I'm biased and subjective. Really? Um, I didn't know that. I didn't <laughs> notice that. I had no t- idea. Toulouse are sending Arthur Bonneval, another feaster. Paul, who's a strong player. And Alexander Rouma, who is our number eight, another son of a Canal Police consultant. Lucas Toza. And I'm going to claim Daniel Brennan as a Toulousain, even though he plays for Breve, because at his father's pub, I can go in and have a, a burger Daniel Brennan, mm-hmm. um, which is slightly bigger than the burger Josh Brennan. Oh, yeah. really? So oh. you can uh, have the whole family on your plate bit by bit. Okay, yeah. so place I have to go, you know, one day. I went to the Aka Corner, I think. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> probably lots of New Zealand references, funnily enough. Yes. Um, and where can we watch the Barbarians? Oh, only on online. It's I don't think even in Britain on the funny things. It would be like rugby TV. Right, rugby. okay. So that's been a fantastic weekend of rugby, hasn't it? And I'm looking forward to next weekend's internationals. Oh, I, yeah, I, I have been looking at the world rankings though, since the weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, Argentina has gone up, so it is at the same level as England, pretty much. 
as you would expect. Okay, so just to recap, number one, we still have Ireland, followed by... La France. Yes, and you know, during the summer, we managed to get the pole position, but only for a few weeks. And then number three is New Zealand. Yes, they are up after their victory okay. at the Millennium Stadium. Or number four. South Africa. L'Afrique du Sud. Okay. Champions. They went down a place this weekend. Mm-hmm. England stay in fifth. Argentina leap from eighth to sixth. And ahead of Australia, Scotland, Wales and Japan. Right. So I don't think world rugby has ever been as tight as it is now, in my memory. All the matches could be won by either side. Uh, Absolutely. And one year before the World Cup starts in beautiful France, in La Belle France, it's going to be an exciting one. Yes. Um, Au revoir. Au revoir. La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche ding-ding-dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum. Avec lui dit boum et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille.